So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Today's podcast, I think, is going to be a bit of a, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Oh, we're going to bounce, especially since I am so punchy because I woke up at 5.30 a.m. to go to a freaking meetup workout. You did. You did it. I did it. Remember how last week we talked and we had like these four things I was going to do. Yeah. Like week over week, you're going to do. I did. Things. I did three. I did three of them in one week and I have the oh. fourth one scheduled tomorrow. Cause oh. I'm a Virgo. Cause why wait? <laughs> because why fucking wait? Well, it just so happened, you know, the meetups only happen like this one only happens every two weeks. So of course I signed up for that. And then this other one, I think only happens every once in a while. So and they just happen to be back to back. So I was like, fuck. Of course the one tomorrow, which is the bouldering and belaying rock climbing one is the one I'm terrified of. Okay. Well, that's fun. let's talk about the other three things you decided to like. Think. No, I want to focus on what I'm scared of and what I think I'm going to fail at. Right. Okay. You were scared of these other things too. Did you fail at them? No. No. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm just like, how could I fail? I mean, I get, well, I guess I could just not show up is basically what the fail is. Yeah, totally. I mean, you showed up. Like, you overshowed up. I overshowed up. Which is great. So, how could you possibly fail tomorrow? could fall and break my collarbone that's like <laughs> i'm so scared like you'll break your tailbone you won't break your collarbone ah, that's <laughs> fucking awful wait, oh wait that wasn't helpful sorry <laughs> well i'm not gonna do basically i'm gonna show up it's like it's a bouldering and belaying and i'm like i'm gonna show up and i think they do those automatic belays like at the top um and I'm going to show up and I'm I'm going to be like, I'm not freaking climbing a wall without some sort of device holding me up if I fall because I will fall. And um, also, I have enough injuries that are still recovering where I'm like, I really don't want to fall because I don't think I'd be good for my progress. So I think I love rock climbing in this particular way because like I started rock climbing to overcome my fear of heights a really long time ago and I had very similar things coming out of my mouth before I had ever tried it before but I think it's like any of these challenges that we've we've set for you and that the the thoughts that you're having and the fears in your head once you've done it you realize how non-reflective of reality they are they are like you don't see falling off walls every time they try to rock climb right like if you <laughs> if you go but i also i also just want to be a dick and be like i don't see a lot of women who are six feet tall rock climbing 
Well, but you have an advantage. You get to like skip holes. Try being five foot three when all the runs are designed for people who are five foot five and above. I can't reach yeah. that. I have to like jump and look like I have T-Rex arms. So for me, yep. like the opposite problem. <laughs> yeah, but you're more privileged than me. No. <laughs> I'm more privileged. All right. But I don't know how that works. <laughs> But the reality, well, we talk about height to weight ratio. I mean, there's no way a gorilla is going to do better than a spider monkey on rock climbing. I don't know about that. <laughs> I like the image of me as a spider monkey, though, because usually, like I always say, my husband's an antelope and I'm a donkey because he's Aww. like fast and light and he gets tired really quickly, but he runs really fast. You know, and he has to lie down in the, in the shade. And I'm more like, I'll do it for as long as you ask me to, but you're going to have to ask and I'm probably going to make a lot of noise, but I can keep going for a really long time. So that's what makes me a donkey. So we digress. Like I said, this is going to be a bouncing around podcast today. So oh, it is. Talking health and fitness, everyone, let's get the intro out in the middle of the podcast. That's always a good spot for it. Well, I got the intro at the beginning already. Did. So did. we don't have to worry. We can just be as crazy, crazy bouncing balls the entire time. Let's, let's, give, let's at least give people some hope for the fact that we're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. So here are the, here's the plan. Okay. And what order we do this in is totally up for grabs, but we want to talk about portions. Um, you brought up the cert food diet, which is like the super popular celebrity diet today. And you want to talk about facing down these challenges that we set for you. Um, last week and sort of how those three all sort of tie together for you so that's the plan I'm gonna do I'm already gonna throw out that I'm gonna do that really irritating thing where I'm like Chris tell me exactly what to do to get my goal it's already gonna happen I can tell irritating thing and be like no (laughs) but yes so okay let's take this one step at a time so you're you've tackled these challenges what have you learned from tackling these fears step by step Um, so the first one was going hiking in the woods in my little shorts, which I was really intimidated to do for a number of reasons. One, because I feel kind of self-conscious about my legs. And two, I was really worried about my chub rub and the, and being all like, um, is this going to be hell? But I did get this body glide stuff and used it and it was completely ah. fine. I wish I'd known about this my entire freaking life. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, you can get body glide um, with that helps your thighs not chafe. Um, Monista, I think also makes an anti-chafing thing. Apparently you can also use deodorant, I've heard. Ah. And that's great because my thighs touch and I also... I personally aesthetically prefer a thigh touch look. I don't, I don't really like the thigh gap look. Well, we actually, it's funny because when we were doing a lot of triathlon, we learned about tri-slide, which is basically what you're talking about, which is body glide, right? And it's really critical when you get out of a salty ocean and then you're supposed to go for a run. Like it doesn't matter. Oh my God. Ow. Yeah. It rubs like your armpits rub on your on your side. There's like nipple chafe that happens, especially with marathon runners and stuff. Male marathon no. have to use it because the just friction of the shirt, long distance running. So this stuff is magical, right? It takes away a lot of the like unnecessary pain aspects of doing some of these activities when parts of your body are touching, and they are. All of us have that. So yeah, you know, if you're if you're worried about it, just I'm saying. Like to the listeners, like if you're worried about this, there are ways to deal with it. There's always a solution, right? Yeah. Something you're going to be able to do to mitigate the consequences. You're not going to be able to eliminate all discomfort because that's not the point. The point is that there's something really physically uncomfortable that's stopping you from doing something. There's a product for it. I mean, come on, capitalism. 
Woo. Yeah. So what I learned is that I can wear little shorts as long as I use my body Clyde so I can I can wear them and not have horrible burning painful welts on my thighs so that's all good great secondly I learned I felt like my energy was way better wearing these shorts because I felt so much uh, less encumbered and also like cooler I was much cooler it's been very hot and humid I, I felt cooler and more comfortable and that it just felt like it made a difference in my energy I just felt like oh man if the trail wasn't so rooty and I was scared of busting my ankle again on it because this is a trail where I did fall and hurt my ankle um I would want to run then almost the entire way I just felt like much freer it's interesting I think these are big wins right I mean like hey, yeah where you've injured yourself you're doing it again that's facing down some fear and anxiety you're doing it in a garment that's making you more comfortable and more energized despite fear of social shame which is fantastic right and none of the bad things it sounds like that you were afraid of happened yeah and I feel but I do feel like my next step will be because this was like right at twilight and I I I encountered almost no one just a couple people and it was getting kind of dark out. So I feel like my next step, if I want to progress with this would be to go out during daylight where I'm likely to encounter more people in, in more intense light. Yeah. More intense light. More intense light, you know, instead of hiding in the shadows. Okay. But that's okay. That's a place to start. Right. And I think the whole point of what we're discussing with this is incremental challenge to your fear is the way to overcome it. You can't just be like, I'm afraid of heights. I think I'll jump out of a plane. Like maybe <laughs> for some people that works, but typically if you can break it into small chunks and face it bit by bit, you'll find you're able to achieve almost anything you want, even though yeah. you're, you're facing anxiety or fear of, of those situations. So this is awesome. I mean, I, I know you tend to overachieve once you decide to sink your teeth into a challenge, mm-hmm. but I am like blown away by three in one week. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Four. Four. Um, as long as I show up tomorrow. Uh, so the next one was checking out a gym. And so what happened, I was going to actually check out like the only kind of decent looking gym that is nearby is Planet Fitness, uh-huh. which I'll just say it. I had been really opposed to going to that gym because although it looked nice and clean, yeah. Um, I was like, that's a kind of gym for people who aren't hardcore, um, which I kind of like because at some point, I, I know that they have like all these rules, like you can't dress like a douchebag basically. And you also can't just start screaming because you're lifting, <laughs> which I kind of, which I kind of like, <laughs> but at the same time, it, you know, it, it definitely has, it has a reputation for being, the point is it's, it's marketing is to be very approachable and that's wonderful. But there's this part of me that I like. I like the hardcore, the, the hardcore. People yeah, the are hardcore. judgy about their yeah. They're so like, fit. <laughs> well, because I feel like it'll inspire me if I see some like hardcore people who are just like balls to the walls, popped up on steroids. Just I'm so glad you said that because this is such a barrier in fitness. And you know, as somebody who has been in fitness for a really long time now, not just as a you know a career person, but just in the aspect of being a fit person and working out all the time. I think you think it's inspiring, 
but it's it's like once you actually get there and you look around it can make you actually more intimidated yeah and the sad thing is is that most of these people most of these really fit people would love to share their experience with you and would love to tell you where they started and how they got there because this is like everything you see on instagram is like i started out by doing this now i have guns you know and i think there's got to be some kind of meeting of the of the peoples here because it, everybody started somewhere. Everybody was yeah. there at some point, right? Everyone. And everybody walked into a gym and didn't know what they were doing at some point. And it's easy to look at these people who've been in the gym a long time, who have achieved things, you know, aesthetically or physically that seem impossible from where you're standing, but they did what we're talking about you doing right now, which is they just showed up and they just incrementally improved and they yeah. did it by step and they just kept showing up. And that's really what it takes. Um, no matter what. So A, don't be afraid to talk to the super buff people in your gym. Chances are they're probably pretty cool. Um, and if they're not, then they're probably an Instagram influencer. Ha, just kidding. Ha. Ha. Yeah, but I mean, I did run into that in a couple of the gyms where, you know, the gym that I was running for a long time, I did find that with the rise of the Instagram influencer, there was a bit of an ego thing that started to happen that wasn't really present in gyms before that, where, you know, like the biggest dude in the gym was probably the sweetest guy, you know, like that was a thing for a really long time. And then I feel like with the sort of, I'm going to get blasted for this, I'm sure at some point, but with the rise of the very narcissistic aspect of self media or of social media, which is, it should be self media because that's really what it is in a lot of cases. I did find a lot more elitist attitudes happening Mm -hmm there and that was really disappointing so you know I mean pick wisely I would say it's the quiet dude in the back on the bench press he's the guy you want to talk to he's probably oh for sure you know I honestly I honestly just just to let everyone know I really will judge you if you are the look at me look at me person who are you know trying to garner as much attention as possible first of all you look desperate second of all shut up one time I watched, one time I saw a guy like oh, so irritated. This guy was like screaming like yeah! at the gym. Like he was lifting like 500 pound dead weight. I'm um, sorry, deadlift, dead weight. <laughs> like he bodies, was like, he, lifting bodies, like lifting, well then. So it sounded like he was lift, like he was like a major power lifter. And then I look up and this fucker was at the cable machine. And I know you can lift heavy kind of at the cable machine. I know you can, but he he was just obviously trying to be like, I'm like the hardest core person here. And I was like, fuck you. I mean, I think this is one of the misconceptions in lifting and fitness is this idea that yelling and screaming is automatically a cry for attention. And I mean, I'm not saying that there are not people who do that. Okay. In this guy case. Okay. And I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I'm just, I'm going to defend a little bit some of the fitness people because there there is an element of hyping yourself up for something you find difficult. And I mean, if you watch powerlifters, like powerlifters are my favorite for like self-hyping or they have hype people and they're like slapping each other. Yeah, they slap them. They slap each other so hard and they'll slap their legs and they'll go, and I'm, you know, but they're but they're also like power lifting. They're kind like, of themselves up, right? So and it yeah. works. There's a reason they do it, but that doesn't mean there's always a reason to do it. So it's I think I understand where where Planet Fitness is coming from from making things accessible and trying to avoid some of the more intimidating things because the point is to get more people doing fitness 
more people exercising and more people interested in taking care of their body. Yeah. And there are the positive experience and not feeling like I can't, I mean, I know, you know, all the times you've gone like to the, the, the serious weight area in the gym, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's male dominated and I get a sense, uh, at least with the gyms I used to go to, I would get a sense a lot of the time, like, what are you doing here? This is for people who are like, who can really lift weight. Why are you at the bench press? I will say this, okay. I've been lifting for, God, how old am I? I'm old. So let's math for a second. It's going to take me a second. I started lifting when I was 18. So it's been 24 years I've been lifting. And I'll tell you, in college, when I started lifting, I was the only female in the room. I was definitely the only female who ever went near a bench press. And I only did it because I had somebody who was there to teach me, you know, like my friend, I was trying to get my black belt and I had to do hundred pushups and I wasn't, I wasn't able to break 45. Like I was stuck at 45 and he was like, bro, you need to come with me and bench. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and then I remember the very first time I pulled the bench, the bar off the bench and it crushed me. Like I got crushed by the bar and I was like pinned underneath it. And I was like, How do people even lift this bar? And then, you know, now 20 something years later, it doesn't matter how long I can go, I can hop on a bench and I can, I can bench a reasonable amount of weight. And so like, I think over that 20 years, what I've seen change is I don't always get guys trying to unload my bar for me. And I don't always get guys coming up to me trying to re-rack my weights I just lifted. I love that one. That's my favorite is when you've literally just finished lifting the weight. And they're like, oh, I'll help you with that. And it's like, I just lifted it 15 times. Like, didn't you see me lifting it? Like, why do you think I need help now? I don't need help now. Or when I was yeah. like a floor trainer back in the day when I was first starting out, you do floor hours and you clean up the gym. And so you pick up anything that anybody's left behind and you put it back. And there's a lot of that to do. I mean, I must have spent like three, four hours a day racking weights. And I mean, I would literally be carrying two 45 pound plates across the gym with like no visible strain. And I would still have guys offering to help me. And it's like, no. So there's been a lot of progression because it went from literally like, oh, you can't do that. Two, can I help you with that? And I know that seems trivial, Mm. but it's not. And progress. It's so much more common that I see women actually pushing weight around in gyms now. And I'm so happy to see that. And I'm so happy to see the stigma disappearing. There's still some 50 year old dude out there who's going to say something to you if you lift over 30 pounds. I still see it. It still happens to me. I'm wondering what's going to happen when I branch out into the gyms here in Colorado because I haven't yet because um, I have my own facility at home and like I'm still on PT stuff. So I'm not really allowed to just freely abuse my body at the moment. So like I'm interested to see what's going to happen when I go out into the gym world here because like you see in Colorado, there are as many women who are super jacked and super fit here as there are men, more so than even in California than I saw. You know, even where it's the mecca of fitness, you know, like I, I still see more just walking down the street, women who are like legit buff than I saw in California because of the nature aspect. I think you can just go outside. Yeah. It's accessible. So it'd be interesting to see what the gym world is like, but that said, I mean, yeah. this is what Planet Fitness is great for. And it is clean and you can just, if you know what you're doing and you don't need help, like it's a great place. So speaking of Planet Fitness, so that's what I was going to check out. But the amenities at my apartment complex 
that we're paying for have just opened since quarantine. <gasps> and there's a fitness center cool. that looks like it pretty much has everything that Planet Fitness has. Okay. Um, and so I decided to start working out at the fitness center. I've been there twice now. They have like, they have all sorts of great equipment and I tend to go, I try, I tend to try to go when no one's there because I don't want to be breathing in. I want to, I want to feel comfortable not wearing a mask and I don't want anyone else in there panting, you know? So that's been great. I considered that a win because I'm like going to a place where it's specifically focused on lifting and workout and not not distractions at home I've been lifting at home but I've been really really half-assing it um because I don't feel focused or motivated to do much in regards to weightlifting when I'm like at home in my underwear doing it <laughs> yeah I mean this is why you exist right I mean it's great to have a pair of dumbbells around as you pick up now and again. And I definitely have used that strategy with myself in previous situations and with clients where that's like really the best option. But there is a lot to be said for having structured time in a structured environment where other people are doing something similar. It is yeah. Effective. So, okay. So was it scary? Um, no, it felt good. And in fact, I actually spent over two hours and may have pushed myself a bit hard because what did I do? I did, I did a bunch of weightlifting and then I got in the elliptical. Um, and did that for a while. And I just was, I didn't want to leave the gym. I sound like a douchebag. I didn't want to leave the gym, but it just felt like, wow, I have this whole gym to myself. And then I also did some opera singing because why not? Oh, <laughs> And so it was great. And then yesterday I went again, I went on a hike and then went to the gym to do some lifting. And that felt, it, it just felt like if it starts getting really crowded, cause it's not that big, but if it starts getting really crowded, I'll probably end up going to planet fitness just so I have some more room. Yeah. Um, but right now it seems like not a lot of people care about, we also have a pool. Um, so it seems like a lot of people care more about the pool than going to the gym. So I'm happy about that. Okay. So these are two big wins so far I'm hearing. Well, three yeah. really, because it was like a bonus sneaky win in there for the apartment complex gym. All right. Yeah. So step three was the scary, second scariest thing, right? Which was going yeah. to class. So how did this go? So I didn't go to bed till like 1230 AM last night. And I was like, maybe I'll do this. I don't know. I guess I could wait another two weeks and do it then. And I woke up. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. And I really had to, I really had to talk myself into it. I was, I was really like, are you kidding me? This isn't worth it. I don't want to get up after like five hours of sleep. And then I have to work all day. And <laughs> this is bullshit. This is bullshit. And so I, I talked myself into it and I was like, okay, you can do it. You already woke up. You, you might as well freaking just get up and get dressed and go do it. Yeah. And so I showed, I, I was having trouble finding parking. And I saw the guy who organized the group and he was in the, like the meeting area, which is at this park. And then I saw him walk away. Cause it looked like no one else showed up. And, and there was this part of me that was like, Oh, cool. I know. I was like, Oh, <laughs> no, he left. 
oh darn it i guess i just have to go get coffee but then i was like okay come on you already made all this effort to get your ass down here so i decided i parked found parking i saw him walk across the street into like this other part of like maybe the same park or a different park and I found him with this other guy and I was like, Hey, you know, is this the meetup? And he's like, Oh yeah. Hi. And they were really nice. It was just me and these two guys. We ended up doing a 45 minute circuit workout with running and squats and push-ups, dips, uh, running upstairs, jumping jacks, wall sits and all the stuff. And by the end it was, it was, it's definitely a struggle throughout because they, I was not keeping up with them which is really hard for me because I is I really am I really can can shame the fuck out of myself being like you're not ready for this you need to go and train and then you can maybe join other people I was just like that's bullshit you're fine I've actually had people say well like I can't work with you right now I'm not fit enough and I yeah. always find to be the most ironic thing anybody's ever said like literally when you're the least fit is when you need the trainer the most because <laughs> you need yeah. You need the correct motor or not the um, the correct modifications. You need the correct mm-hmm. exercises. You need the correct progressions. Those are the kinds yeah. of things that keep you going versus making you quit. And so, like, yeah, it's interesting that this is what pops up. So, I want to ask you, what at what point did you stop feeling scared? Like, was it when you actually started talking to them? Was it when you figured out where the meetup was and you knew that there were people there? Was it 10 minutes into the workout? When did you stop feeling Uh, scared? Probably when the workout was done and I didn't throw up. (laughs) Because towards the end, I started feeling really shaky and kind of like I might throw up. And I was like, I do not want to throw up in front of these guys. Because the... um, the the heat wasn't that bad today so I was like this will be fine but the humidity was really high which made it feel really hot and I am um I definitely pushed myself harder than I normally do which is like this is like the point of doing this because I know if I'm around others I will try to keep up with them more and and push myself harder in a a, it felt like a healthy way though I want I want you to go back to fear versus shame because what you described while you were working out was more shame of feeling like you couldn't keep up. Yeah. This fear. So I want to know when the fear stopped, not when the shame kicked in. Um, I think it stopped when I saw that there was only one guy. Like at first I was like, Oh, okay. So it's not like going to be a giant group of incredibly, incredibly, um, cardiovascularly fit people. Um, I never, I never feel that, intimidated like oh am I going to be around a bunch of other women who um will be really like if we're doing weightlifting I mean except for you because you definitely outbench me and all sorts of stuff but when it comes to like calisthenics and when it comes to doing speed things I I always feel really um intimidated so once I saw it was like me and this these two guys I felt better and also okay to be honest I also felt kind of good there were no other women because I have a really hard time not judging myself against other women Mm. um like I think a lot of people women do um I'm sure men feel the same way kind of of their men in the gym I'm not sure but uh 
that kind of it felt like it always feels more comfortable for me to work out with guys than women is that fucked up to say no I don't think so I mean I think there's definitely an element of competition between women that we all need to work on um yeah sort of productive but I think there's you know we could diverge into evolutionary reasons for there being competition (laughs) between same sexes right but let's not do that because we have enough to try to cover today but I think it sounds like from what you're saying like you had a transition in feeling from like I'm intimidated and scared to show up to I feel bad that I'm not keeping up yeah but I mean just to go back to the whole like working out with guys as a way of I don't know, self-preservation or just making myself feel better. And in my head, I was like, well, they're guys. So of course they're going to be, oh, please don't cancel me. They're going to be, <laughs> they're going to be like faster than me and, and potentially like stronger than me. Um, God, it hurts to actually say that, but that almost made, that just made me feel better saying that to myself, even though I'm like, I feel kind of disgusted saying that, like, well, I couldn't compete with them, but it made me feel less shame. So what, so this is what's great about that statement. When you lowered the expectation to be perfect and to keep up with whoever was in front of you, regardless of their past history with exercise or their current level of fitness or whatever, when you eliminated that expectation, you also eliminated the pressure on yourself that you feel in these situations, which allowed you to show up better. Because I guarantee you these guys, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know these guys. I have no idea who they are or whatever. I guarantee they in no way judged you or made you feel bad about your performance. A hundred percent of that came from you. Because again, yeah, they were being really encouraging, but not in like the irritating way. Like, good for you. No, I'm like, just saying, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe that you can run. That's really impressive. No. And this is what I think is really, really the thing I want to point out is that both of those guys, you don't know their, their fitness journey. You don't know what they've overcome. You don't know where they started. And I guarantee you, and because I know this from personal experience, from coaching group exercise, from coaching group exercise instructors to being one, to being a trainer, to being an out of shape person, to having been in all of these shoes. I never look at somebody who shows up at the gym. Never. Not once have I ever looked at somebody who shows up in the gym and thought, wow, they shouldn't be here. Like, Every single time you join a gym community, the underlying thought of pretty much everybody in there is cool. How can I help you? And this is not how fitness gets portrayed, I think. And it's such a shame because this is, I think, one of the reasons CrossFit did such a great thing in fitness is they really were community forward. It was welcome here. Everyone can do these things. Everyone will get a modification that will suit them. And that's fantastic because that's how it should feel. That is how we all feel as fitness people, you know, to put myself in a category for the moment, as fitness people, this is how we feel when a new person shows up. And we also know that the new person doesn't see it that way. And so breaking this barrier down, breaking down this perception that like fitness people are like, and really you can't do 30 burpees without vomiting in under two minutes, (laughs) loser. Nobody thinks that if you do five burpees at all ever, we're probably like, cool. Good job. Burpees suck. I mean, there's oh a website and type burpeesuck.com for a reason. So like, you know, this is the really important thing that I wanted you to learn from this facing the fear and I'm giving it to you. I, you know, I'm supposed to let you like come to it on your own, but in the interest of sort of pushing this forward a bit, like it's in your head. 
all of these fears of what's going to happen when you show up to these places are in your head, right? They're not based in the reality of what actually happens to you when you get there. And that's the tool that you need to take with you to the rock climbing gym. Like all those irrational fears that are popping up and preventing you from doing whatever it is that you want to do, they're really unlikely to happen. And the more fuel you give them, the more mental space and energy and time that you give them, the bigger they get and the less you do. And then you stay stuck. And the more I can prove them wrong, the better healing will be. Yeah, right. The more you can prove them wrong, the more consistently you put yourself in that challenging situation, the more ammo you'll get to say next time, I don't need to listen to you. I don't, that's not right. Like, hey brain, you're making stuff up. I don't believe you, right? And that's where the real change starts to happen. That's where you start to make the big significant progress markers that we're talking about, right? Because we talked a couple of weeks ago about how it's dangerous to say like change should be sustainable, because then it sort of sweet talks you into thinking you don't have to change anything because what you're already doing is sustainable. That's why you're doing it. Does that make sense? It's easy. And I see this happen to clients a lot of time. They'll make small changes and that's good. That's where we want to start. But then they stop there and they said, well, I didn't see any results for my small changes. So I'm done now. And it's like, well, okay. Like done, like they, like, like they revert back to what they were doing or they're just like, I'll just stick with the changes I made. Sometimes both. I see both. So I think this is, this is the thing I've come up with most recently is this idea of like, you can't stop at those small changes. You've got to keep pushing. And that's where we talk about discomfort, right? You are comfortable doing these things, but you did. And now you can go repeat that process with less discomfort. So it's overcoming. It's like balancing how uncomfortable are you willing to get for how long in order to make the change that you're then going to sustain. I'm I'm willing. <laughs> yeah, I know it, was I, it wasn't really like directed at you. I'm I guess I'm willing. <laughs> I'm willing. I'll do anything. No, I mean so that's speaking not. of should we transition then um to portion control? Yeah, we or speak to portions yeah. actually because I think I hate that portion control. I shouldn't call it control because I that's a, probably a trigger word for me. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm triggered. But I think I think this has been part of the struggle for you, right? Is the balance between the rigidity of making change in a structured way and the freedom of, of staying comfortable and sustainable enough that you can keep it up, right? Yes, yes. And I, again, again, and I just want to shout out to everyone out there. This is, this is, this is a journey. <laughs> and I am like, I kind of feel like crying because I feel like I'm just going to like keep rehashing things with you. And I'm like, Hey, Chris, I know we talked about this years ago, but now I'm still like, huh? And how, and why, and how do I get what art, where I want to go? And I don't understand things. And I kind of still, I, I, mm, I fucking feel that way with nutrition. Um, I feel fucking confused. I feel angry because uh just looking over the metrics I'm I've like gained 15 pounds since quarantine and it's frustrating because I also started anti-anxiety anti-depression medication like right when I started precision nutrition um and I had I was also doing some like intense dieting and I was doing some keto stuff and so I had lost 
like more weight, but you know, I wasn't really feeling good and it wasn't really sustainable. And, um, like my body wasn't working very well. Um, and then, so I started gaining weight and now looking, looking back, I'm like, it was this the medication is it the medication? Um, and of course it's so, it's so touchy to talk about because, um, at that time I really needed the medication to help me. Um, and now, and my doctor did tell me the doctor prescribed it to me a couple years ago. She said, you know, this is not, this is not meant to be like for the rest of your life. Sometimes people need really medication for the rest of their life and continuously. And that's very important for me. My doctor told me, um, it was kind of to help me deal with things and basically grow without having all these really overwhelming, um, emotions all the time that were like, kind of like keeping me from moving forward. So I feel like I'm in a much more stable, knock on wood, stable place in my life now. So, um, and also I've kind of been, for me, I've kind of been like speculating that, that, um, that my medication has been causing weight gain, especially since I, since I switched, I switched to a new medication. And ever since then I put on about like eight to 10 pounds with this new medication. And that's been like, that's been like three months or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also feel like really ravenous all the time. Um, but I've been trying to, I've been very strict with my food intake in a lot of ways. So it's very, basically it's very upsetting. I feel like in a very upset situation there and I feel like in a good place. So I asked my doctor, you know, if it was all right, if I start weaning off my medication and these are the reasons why, and she said, yes. So I just started weaning off my medication so far, so good. It's been two days almost. <laughs> and um, although this medication leaves your system very fast, apparently. So um, so I'm weaning off that. And it's really hard because I feel like I'm setting myself up for major disappointment because in my head, I'm like, you watch, you're going to start losing weight now. Now that you're not on your medication, you watch. This has been the problem the entire time. And I'm like, I don't think that's I mean, maybe a little, maybe it's part, but I'm sure it's not like <laughs> the thing because I wasn't on medication for a very long time before. So, and this is coaching. I mean, literally what you just described is, is why people need to understand what the process of coaching looks like. It's not like you show up and I tell you something and you're like, Oh, cool. I just need to know that thing. And you go away and it's magically fixed. Like that's not coaching. That's what I thought it was. I thought you were just going to be like, here's your meal plan. Now go be awesome and achieve all your dreams. And I was going to be like, thank you. But if that worked, like if that worked, then you would never need a coach in the first place because you could just go on the internet and get that information. It's not about information. Coaching is not about information. Sometimes, I mean, you need a certain amount of information to make good decisions, but then it's about the practice of that. And it's about recognizing and establishing patterns. So if I'm going to coach movement, right, and your squat has some things that need correcting because it's creating knee pain for you, it's not going to be like, oh, just push your knee out and like activate your glute more. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's magically solved. It's going to be like, no, push your knee out. No, push your knee out. No, okay. You're you're trying. I can see so that your brain says do it, but your body's not following. So I'm going to put some kind of external control on it to help you push your knee out. And then we're going to do reps. And then you're going to go away. You're going to come back the next time. And you're going to push your knee. Your knee's going to cave in again. I'm going to go, okay, let's try something else. Let's do this. That pattern takes time to undo. That's what coaching yeah. is. 
right? And it doesn't matter whether it's movement or it's behavior or it's, you know, pick something, right? Whether you want to learn an instrument, it's the same thing. How many times do you have your boundaries in a relationship? All of these things, these, the idea that you can just get this piece of information that's going to solve the problem um, immediately is so misleading and disappointing. And it creates a lot of the problems in the weight loss industry that we see, right? So the other thing I want to say is like, have you ever read a book more than once? Yes. Right. So the first time you read the book, whatever is going on in your life, whatever place you're at in your life, you, you take certain things from that book. And if you put that book down, you come back to it years later and you read it again, you're like, oh, wow, I don't remember this from the first time. Oh, wow. I, oh, that character did this. I didn't remember that because you're in a different place and you're able Mm. to take in different information. So it's not surprising or weird or bad that you want to review portions and you want to review what healthy eating looks like based on where you're at now versus where you were at the first time we talked about it. That's normal. That's good. That's, that's what learning is, right? It takes on average nine times that you tell somebody something for them to hold on to it for real. Right. So mm-hmm. like when you, when you look at it from that perspective, it's not unusual or abnormal or bad to need to go over this again. You should need to go over it again. If you, if I tell you once and you tell me you've got it, I a hundred percent know you don't. <laughs> Why is that such an automatic? I would see that in school all the time. Um, like, like students would just be like, yeah, I got it. And then I would, I I would hear them. I would hear them talk and be all like, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Cause I was a notorious and excuse me. Cause if I didn't get it, I'd freak out and be like, I'm going to fail my test. So I was always the person I was like, I don't get it. And I would always take that bullet. And then people would come to me afterwards and you're like, they would be like, I didn't get it either. I just pretended I did because I felt embarrassed. But again, we need to clear this myth up because I think it holds so many people back from learning better mm-hmm. because it, it, you, that's just not how human beings learn. We learn by repetition. Okay, yeah. so, so this is perfectly normal and acceptable. And I'm sure that this time we talk about it, you're going to glean a piece of information out of the same conversation or a version of the same conversation that we're about to have that you didn't before. And it's going to move yeah. forward. Okay. So Like with that in mind, right? When we talk about where you were at when we very first started talking about nutrition, you said it just a minute ago, you know, I was doing keto, I was doing this hardcore stuff and I was losing weight, but I felt like garbage. And then I gained weight because I stopped doing keto, right? So, okay, established pattern. Yeah. Know that that's an established pattern and all of the information I gave you at that time was filtered through the pattern of, but I have to suffer to lose weight. And you're telling me not to suffer. And I can't hear that right now. La, 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 fingers in here. I see this pattern play out all the time. It's normal, right? Because you've got a set of beliefs and a set of things that you feel like are going to work for you. And then they don't work. And you can't reconcile the fact that they didn't work because you believe so strongly that they will. Yeah. That when they don't, it takes time for you to go, okay, fine. I am really ready to try something else. So that's where you're at now. You're like, but I did this again. I think. And then you're like, oh, wait, but I didn't do it. I was still counting calories like a lot. Well, and I was still judging food intake and I was still feeling like carbs are bad for me. And I was still feeling these other things. Right. So even though you think you've eradicated some of it, it'll pop up. So let's talk about that. Right. So what we did, I think we did it between podcasts last time, but we talked a bit about, um, what adequate portions were for you. And then we, you've been out on the internet looking up things This is where the cert food diet comes in because, it talks about portions and it talks about super special foods and it talks about all these things you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. Yeah. 
you've got sort of, what you've got up here on the screen is what you've been kind of committed to achieving with your portion control. Well, this is from, this is what, so this is from the PN website and I'll say what this is. So PN kind of, um, they, they, they promote uh, using your hand to uh, to kind of designate your portion size um, versus counting calories. So it's portion control, but you're you're you're. It's just kind of I feel like an easier way, a easier maybe less triggering way than carrying around measuring cups, and um, it does seem more approachable. And all this time for like the last two years, I've been like. I don't know about this and not really just adhering to still calorie counting <clears throat> because in a way this feels a lot more strict than calorie counting. Cause calorie counting to me, it's like, well, I can have some pizza and ice cream as long as I stay within my calorie range. <laughs> that's fine with this, with this, it feels, it feels more like, like I have to actually acknowledge what I'm eating, mostly fat and carbs and like no protein. And I'm like, fuck you. Right. And this is actually <laughs> one of the biggest loopholes with calorie counting or when you look back at, um, I think oh. it was Weight Watchers that had the- um, Or if it fits your macros. Oh, if it fits your macros, they're my favorite. I mean, there's some really good things about um, if it fits your macros. We'll get to that. Um, and yeah. you're right. In a lot of ways, I get so much pushback on the hand portion, it's really interesting to watch people battle this out because what you'll notice when you look at the precision nutrition recommendations for daily intake is it's heavily biased towards nutrient density. Yeah. Everything you're eating is high nutrient density and it's incredibly hard to find a mental loophole when yeah. you're stuck with, well, did I eat six portions of vegetables today? No, that's hard. And I have to do prep work and I don't do, do chewing and I'm tired of chewing. And I mean, the things that come back when you get to the vegetable <laughs> portion, it's, it's really fascinating. But it's also, uh, how do you fit in your treats? You don't. But, but I think the point is like, if, and this is part of the precision nutrition recommendations is we're asking you to do this 80% of the time. We're not yeah. saying that you have to 100% of the time only eat this because that's, again, yeah. you would be going against, you know, any precision nutrition trained coach would be going against oh. the framework to say, you have to do this all the time. Talk that's about another one swing. Exactly. Talk about binge eating disorder. Right. But when you actually look at what 20% of the time looks like where you can do, where you can have treats and you can do this, it is what balance looks like. It is. Yeah. What and I broke like. it down. Just so, because I know people can't see the screen, I broke it down. So if I say, say I had three meals a day, I really tend to, I feel like I really tend to need four meals a day, four eating opportunities, as you call them. Mm -hmm. um, but say I did, you know, three meals a day, it's like 21 meals a week. And then, and then 80% adherence would be, um, would be, sorry. Yeah. 21 meals a week. And then 80% adherence would be about 17 PN friendly meals. And then there was a four four meals that could be not what not balls to the walls, not like I'm gonna eat everything. I had nachos made of Doritos and 
cheese from the popcorn machine. But if I wanted to, if I was going over to someone's house or Andrew and I really wanted pizza one night, I'm like, how am I going to make that pan that's just like carbs and fat? Um, I'm going to, you know, I'd, I'd still like to live my life and be like, fine, I'm going to have some slices of pizza and that's going to count as one of my um, not adhering me or pan unfrendly meals. Oh, unfriendly. It. It's unfriendly. <laughs> So I don't want to call it a cheat meal. I don't even know what to call it. Just no, I, I really have, I have a, I have a trigger with the word cheat meal. And it's because of my years of trying to unwire the idea that good food is, is good and bad food is bad. And that yeah. there are good and bad foods. And I have to be really, really careful with myself about things like that. You know, less, less, the more I practice, the less I have to pay attention, but it is insidious. And if you do frame things as like pizza is bad, pizza is unfriendly or whatever negative word you put on it, you're going to feel like you're cheating. And I think that's the whole thing. There's no cheating on the thing you're supposed to be doing for the rest of your life. Like it's just what it is. It's what you do. It's yeah. And I think that's the, the key here is if you look at four meals a week, it's more than a cheat meal. It's more than one opportunity. It's actually yeah. less rigid when you look at it. And what actually finds what you find happens when you do start eating enough nutrients. And I'm not saying like, calories and I'm not saying vegetables and I'm not saying carbs. I'm saying nutrients. When you're giving your body what it needs, you won't crave all of these bad foods. It's not a struggle. And that sounds insane. That sounds impossible to somebody who feels like they suffer from cravings all the time. But I promise you, I mean, I literally had a client this morning say he's been doing the protein habit for a whole week. And I, he, he, bought, he brought it up. I didn't say anything at all. He was like, yeah, I, I noticed I haven't really been eating sweets. I was at the grocery store and I could have bought a bunch of stuff for this road trip I'm going on. And I looked at it and I just went, eh. And that's literally what not having a craving feels like, but you can't fathom that when you're nutrient deprived, right? Your body is like, please, anything you can try to put the nutrients in that I need, please, please, please. And it's hard to override that. But you don't battle with that when you do the 80% of these other things. Those cravings just go away. Now, so, you described, oh, sorry, go ahead. Right, we, we already talked about this a little bit as a setup for today, but we talked about the fact that you're trying these portions that have been assigned to you by PN, right? And you're ravenous all for, the time. For women, for women, for women, not just assigned to me, but they're, right. they're, you know, they give you a rough guideline. Yeah, and so you've been doing that, and that's literally the point. It's a rough guideline. So I did it for one day, but okay. not even, not even for one day. I couldn't even get through one day to be honest. So then we're going to triage what actually happened, right? Because we've got a lot of nutrition is a lot of moving parts. It's not just like, Oh, well, if you were hungry, it's clearly that you didn't eat enough protein or it's clearly that you didn't drink enough water or whatever. Like you can't pick a one-stop shop solution for this. So the, the triage questions are, how do you know you were hungry? What does hunger feel like for you? My hunger, at least if I'm going to just talk about this day, was it physical? Do you have a physical? Yeah. I felt like I felt so empty and just like, like I couldn't all day long, all day long, I couldn't stop obsessing and thinking about food. It made, I felt like I was going crazy. I just couldn't stop thinking. I need to like, I need to have a binge. I need to have a binge. It made me want to binge so fucking badly. And the more I, yeah. Pause because what I'm asking you about is physiological cues for hunger and what you're describing are psychological eating. Well, I felt, I Did felt like really, feel- really hungry in my body, in my stomach. I felt like, like, I just want to eat all the food. Like I felt like that, that 
craving to just eat, like not, you know, just, just to eat and taking calories. But let's be clear about what physiological hunger feels like. Did your stomach rumble? Yeah. Okay. How many times did your stomach rumble that day? A lot of times. A lot of times, like physical growling stomach. Yeah. Like just, um, well, like probably like three times. Was it around meal times before you ate a meal? Um, see, I have my meals here. I remember. See, yeah, I put that. I put my meals here. Okay, and then I said, like I said, I didn't make it throughout the day. So I started with two portions of vegetables as cucumbers, a portion of Greek plain Greek yogurt, a portion of blueberries in the yogurt, um, two eggs, two hard boiled eggs and a portion of fat as cream in my coffee. So that was my two vegetables, my two proteins, my one carb and my one fat. So this is your breakfast. And that was my breakfast. Okay. And that, and then I, um, after I ate that, I was like, oh, okay, for a little bit. And then I was just ravenous by, I probably ate that like, at like nine and then by like 11 11 30 I was just ravenous and then I had for lunch and then I had um, a bunch of uh, lettuce so that was I had uh, like four big handfuls of lettuce because you need two handfuls of lettuce to equal one portion of veggies um, so I had like four handfuls of lettuce I had Andrew had made uh, oh, actually no this wasn't the chicken breast thing four handfuls of lettuce. And then I have these chicken sausages that are like 70 calories each. And I had two of those. I don't care how many calories they have, how much protein. Oh, sorry. Sorry. They have like their, I don't know, their chicken sausages. I'd have to look at the package to tell you exactly. I had two of those, but they, they were about like, if you like chop them up, they were like my palm size. Um, so I had two of those. So my, my two veggies, my two protein, and then I had too fat because I had another cup of coffee because I was also, I was just like, oh, this will help satisfy me and, and kill my hunger. So that was my fat there. And then I had, um, I think this was like, I think I just had some like avocado mixed with some Greek yogurt for my other fat or something, something else that was the fat in that salad. And then, and then I had, I just couldn't stop thinking about cake. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go get a fucking whole cake. I don't give a fuck. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I have berries. I had some berries with some Greek yogurt and some light cool whip. I was like, this is like cake. This will be fine. And that was like my carbs and a protein and a fat. And then, and then at that time, I, at that time I was like, okay, so you have to do two more vegetables, two more servings of vegetables and you get one more serving of protein. And then you're, that's done for, then you're done for your day. You can't eat anymore. Those are all your portions and you're done. And I was just sitting there being like, I'm so fucking hungry. Yeah. That's not, that's not how this works, right? There's no, like, this is all you can have. It's a, this is how much is the baseline. If I'm genuinely hungry, I add more food. I hey, felt ravenous. Okay, so I can tell you from looking at these pictures exactly why you felt ravenous. You've okay, had please, please do. <laughs> probably only about eight grams of fiber all day. 
and you need at least 30. And so although you've managed to put quite a lot of vegetables in, most of your vegetables were lettuce and they're very fast processing, which means your body's like, give me more. So you need starchier vegetables. I mean, and I'm not talking like potatoes, I'm talking like a cucumber is 90% water. That's gonna go through you so fast, you don't even know what happened, right? You need broccoli, you need carrots, you need, you know, denser food. This is all food that is nutritious, but incredibly light. There's nothing sticky here. There's nothing that's going to stay in your system. So when I look at your carbs, you've literally not put any starchy carbs in your whole day. I don't see a potato. I don't see a grain. I don't see enough to keep your digestive tract happy for long enough. This stuff is whizzing through. So if I were to, because then by the end of, by after my berries and yogurt, and I was just like, I'm so ravenous. And I was like, no, I'm going to have a fucking good meal. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be crazy about my portions. I'm just going to eat what I think is like a healthy balanced meal that will satisfy me. So I made a bunch, I like made beans and a bunch of like bell peppers and um, like enchilada sauce. And then I put like a bunch of lettuce on top of that with some mango salsa. And I was like, okay, I feel much better now. So also, so you've kind of stepped to the second triage question. Like what did the hunger feel like? Right. The second question is how did you respond? I felt like I was going to, I felt like I was going to rage. I felt like I was going to cry and rage. I was hangry. I was so fucking. The third question that I usually ask is show me what you ate. So we sort of skipped two questions, right? So (laughs) yeah. What does hunger feel like to you? Are you emotionally hungry? Are you physically hungry? Okay. We've established it's physical hunger. Great. How did you respond to your physical hunger? Show me. So you've shown me. And although I, I think, and this is the trouble with the pervasive diet culture is that you've chosen inadvertently foods you consider to be healthy and light and diet friendly. I don't see anything of substance in here. If I ate this Liz and I'm half, I'm literally physically a foot shorter than you. Okay. Like I would be ravenous all day. This is okay, not so that is, food. I was wondering, awesome. I'm like, am I crazy? Like, so then by the time after I had like my, my vegetarian enchilada thing, because I, I also, it's struggle to get meat. I, I, sometimes don't like meat very much or I don't want to cook it. So after that, I was like, well, fuck it. I might as well. And then I have like with a strawberry shortcake ice cream bar, which is 150 calories. And I know you don't care about calories, but I like to say that. Um, because I've also been trying to, I've also been trying to like figure out my treats that would be lower calorie than what I have been doing. I'm going to hit a buzzer every time you say the word calorie. I don't know what to say. I'm just like, I feel like if I don't have like a sweet treat at the end of the day, I just feel like I hate my life. There's no problem with that. Nobody's saying you can't have a sweet treat at the end of the day. Nobody's saying you can't have a sweet treat in the middle of the day. What we're saying is try to make it as nutrient dense as possible. If that's not possible, then make room for it with everything else, right? So it's about this balance idea. So again, I'm going to go back. I want to take your, what you've got meal by meal really quickly. And I think we haven't done this on the podcast before. I haven't really gone through, because I always say I'm not the food priest. I'm not here to judge what you're eating. And that's not what I want this to sound (laughs) like. Absolve me of my sins. But what what I do want to say is like, this looks like punishment food from the point of view of like, I've decided to be hardcore 
and I'm going to only eat healthy things and everything on my plate is going to be exactly as it's supposed to be. Um, and I don't know that there's a ton of enjoyment going on here. So I want to take breakfast, right? Yes, there's vegetables here, but that's not like a cucumber is again, 90% water, right? So you've got to think about it from the fiber point of view of how quickly this is processing through your system. Also your protein source of yogurt is a good source of protein, but it's not sticky. It's not going to take your body any time or effort to digest. It's basically a liquid. It's just like vroom. So the only thing you've got in there that's going to take any time to digest are those two eggs. And even that's pretty easy on the system. So what can you add to this breakfast to make this like more filling? Um, well, I guess I'm thinking, I mean, I'm kind of thinking maybe, because I know my tendency in the morning, I'm just like, I just want to make something easy. I don't want to have to like do a whole show of like hardcore cooking. That's for the evening for me. So that's why I love getting just hard boiled eggs. I'm like, this is so great protein done. Um, and my, I usually pretty much have yogurt with berries every morning too. So I'm like well, trying to think thing right now, if I uh -huh. eat yogurt with berries for breakfast, I've got an hour and a half before I'm going to rip somebody's arm off to be able really? to. Really? Oh yeah. Hands down. Because. That portion that's there. Cause your hands right next to it. I can see it. Like yeah. I would murder somebody by 10 o'clock in the morning with no exercise. I got there. I got to, I got to like 11 before I was like, I'm going to jump off my fucking balcony. Right. So the thing, I'll just give it to you again, because in the interest of um, moving forward through this, um, you need a starchy carb of some kind. Put a potato, put a hash brown, put a piece of toast, put something, granola, right? You've got that granola that um, you've been making and you were using before, right? The oatmeal. The oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal, right? I mean, were you more satisfied eating that oatmeal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. So but why I, choose this instead? Like, you want to know why I stopped? You want to hear uh, the brave answer? Because carbs are bad. Ah, there it is. <laughs> because because carbs are bad and you just need to have like blueberries. Those are your carbs. Yeah, how'd that work? <laughs> well, it didn't work great. Okay. So maybe, so maybe because I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm going to make a huge, like great meal every morning. I'm like, that's not going to happen. So maybe I can just say, how about adding some oatmeal to this? Cause I love putting Greek yogurt and like fruit on top of oatmeal. I like to have the cold and the hot. And you had carrots in your oatmeal. Which and I had fucking carrots. Right. So you went, because again, this mentality of like, I'm going to commit and go hardcore at this. It's punishment food. I swear, that's all I see when I, I love you. Really? It, it, it's like weirdly, it weirdly like, makes me feel a lot better when you tell me this is punishment food because it felt like a fucking punishment all day. And I could feel my, I could feel my pendulum. I could feel myself pushing. I, every fucking minute of this day, I was thinking about cake and how I want, and ever since this day, I've been thinking about cake and how much I want to go out and buy a fucking sheet cake and eat it ever since so this day. The resistance you're facing here is that you're still battling internally with, I have to suffer to lose weight. I have yeah, to you need to feel, you need to feel really hungry. That's how you know it's working. Well, it, exactly. <laughs> so you <laughs> proved that to yourself with this day of eating because you were like, fine, I'm going to do this. But the point is satisfaction too, right? When we talk about portion control, 
which is your trigger word for the day, right? Talk about portion control. It, in, it, it is inextricably linked to suffering for you. Yeah. So I really want to change this narrative around how you eat to fuel yourself. Okay. Is to punish yourself. Food is not a punishment or a reward. Yeah. It's just so, it's so hard because it's so pervasive in my life. And I'm sure most other people's lives to use food or lack thereof as a way to abuse yourself. Yes. It's super common and it's super hard yeah. to fire. So what you're going through, you know, is not uncommon, sadly. Yeah, sadly. sadly. But like, I look at that and that's the breakfast of a 22 year old <laughs> girl who hates herself and just wants to look amazing <laughs> on the beach. And it's sad because when I look, when I look at queen who wants to beast it up in the gym and fucking crush it. This is not... This is not satisfying. It's good. Look at this. But it's not, it's not gonna actually like keep me satisfied to where I can actually keep going with it. Right. Considering considering ever since this day, I feel I feel the need to binge so hard. Even now, I'm like, I feel like I need a binge to almost cleanse my palate because it was so triggering. And so this is literally the pattern that we're trying to break yeah. because it's like, you can't have no control and no intention around our food, but we can't have so much that it creates this pendulum of I yeah. have to binge now, right? So what I want to do is I want to say like, let's go back to that oatmeal. Let's okay. eat that oatmeal. It was balanced as a vegetarian. Not all of your protein is going to come from meat and that's Okay. But if you only focus on fast digesting carbs, you're going to have a hell of a time. And every carb you've got in your day is a fast digesting carb. Okay. Um, sugar roller coaster. You're just like, bam, 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 bam. I mean, like, have you, did you ever see that presentation I did where I got the rabbit on the roller coaster and he's like, ah, and his ears oh, yeah. back. Like, that was you that day, right? So, so we're going to go back to, and this is why I always say I don't do meal plans. Because this is the kind of stuff you get. Even when we look at just portion control, it's like, fine, punishment, a vegetable. Cucumbers are a vegetable. I'll put one in my eyes and I'll eat the other one. And then I'll only get half the calories and they have two cucumbers. And you're like, no. You should feel satisfied at the end of your meal. And you should be happy to walk away from the table. And that doesn't mean you're stuffed. It doesn't mean you can't run or jump or play or do whatever you want to do. But like, if you're... If you're balancing this out correctly, and I say correctly in parentheses, for you, for your body, you should feel okay getting up from the table. These cravings shouldn't be there. So this tells you, Mm, right, what you did was overly restrictive. Yeah, and that's definitely, that's definitely what, um, what happened? Sorry, I just wanted to check that. Okay. Okay. I mean, that looked like a great snack. That was a great snack. Yeah, that would have been fine as a snack. I would be like, okay, I can keep going with my life or I can eat that and then go work out. Because sometimes before a workout, I'm like, I'm, I'm so fucking hungry. I don't think I'm going to be able to do an even decent workout right. without having something. So like, let's, let's, call, let's do it this way. That's a new snack. That's your food. Okay. okay. Not my breakfast. Got it. Not I love it. Okay. So I'm just breaking this down for myself um, so that I can move forward and maybe I'll, you know, I've started this Instagram for our podcast. Okay. 
which I call brazenly fit Liz. Did you see you saw that right because I I I think I added you as a or followed you or messaged you so it's called brazenly fit Liz and it's basically the Instagram for this for my journey on this podcast awesome I think I'll put some pictures in real life would be great right so all right let's go to your lunch right you have that salad and again Sad lettuce salad is punishment food as far as I'm concerned. Like you eat a salad that's made up of 90% lettuce, it's because it's made of tears. Like all the water in that lettuce is just I know tears. because in my yeah. head, like in my head and with my eyes, I'm just like, look how much food you have. And then I, I like scarf down the salad and I'm like, I'm so fucking hungry. And I'm like, are you insane? That was a giant bowl of salad. I want you to actually you're you're off to it's four fists of salad equals one portion of vegetables. What? I thought it was two handfuls of lettuce. It's four. That equals one. It's four. It's fucking four. What am I supposed to eat? A whole fucking garden? Yes. Essentially. Just get like one of those small, like tiny like pools for your dog and just eat my salad. I mean, if you've got the time, fine, but people don't. And this is why an entire bowl of lettuce is not a satisfying meal. And this is what I get another trigger for me is when people use the word salad and they put like 90% lettuce in their bowl and like salads aren't filling. I want to slap people because it's like you're you're making salad sad. I'm sad for salad. Salad is sad about you. Like it's just sad. It's tears. Bowl of tears. So look at your salad. Take those two handfuls of lettuce. Fantastic. Full of nutrients. Good stuff. You need to eat leaves, right? Important. Yeah. However, that's not going to do it. So put chickpeas in there, put peppers in there, put tomatoes in there, put cucumbers in there, peppers. Did I say peppers already? Probably olives. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Green beans, broccoli, cauliflower. If you can eat it raw, put it in there. Okay. You know what I also like to do? I actually, I don't know if people realize they can do this because I have trouble sometimes digesting um, certain raw vegetables mm. where it just feels painful in my stomach. So I sometimes like to kind of have some cooked veggies in there and I'll have yeah. them like cold and they'll be just cold cooked veggies or grilled or whatever. And I'll just throw them in there. And I'm like, I think it still is really good. Yes. And you should not be eating a salad every day for lunch. Can I put that out there, ladies? Salad is not lunch every day. You shouldn't be proud because you eat a salad every day. I have salads and I'm a winner. That's torture. <laughs> there are tons of lunch options that can give you enough vegetables that don't involve like punishment salad. Okay. Um, Hashtag punishment salad. Don't do this. This is how you end up ravenous at four o'clock in the afternoon and you take down a sheet cake and you hate everybody. Like, don't do this. You need the fiber, you need the protein, you need some fat in this salad to absorb the nutrients in the vegetables. There are fat soluble vitamins and there are water soluble vitamins. And you need the fat soluble ones to have fat around so that they absorb. Every time I bust out the dressing, I am like, I feel so guilty. I'm like, you know, my calories, you know, like how small how like small the quantity is and how many calories that is. Can you use that word again? Where's my buzzer? <laughs> oh my God. I felt like you were going to be like, I'm going to fucking slap you through this Zoom meeting. If I, I literally, I want like a, I want like one of those shock collars for every time you say calories. <laughs> okay. Cal so no, I no, put, no, 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 no. Okay. No. So. But how do I not go balls to the walls with my fat portions? Because you know I love to add in 
I often will find when I, before I was doing that one day of like really hardcore trying to control my portions, I would, I've been eating salads for lunch and I would put in like half an avocado plus like two tablespoons of dressing plus like sometimes Andrew would make like chicken that have Parmesan cheese on it. And I would be all like, yep, lots of fat. What's the middle ground between punishment salad and what you just described? Like which of those fats makes your salad taste the best? Mm, the chicken and the avocado. Okay. Do that. Okay. Or hey, tomorrow you don't want the avocado? Do the dressing instead. Okay. Eat the chicken like and avocado that. salad, and you're like, this is dry punishment salad still. Then ditch some like of the that. avocado and put some of the dressing. Um, Give me something oh. substantial because you've had a salad for lunch and yogurt and berries, and I'm about you to know what? Party just looking at this. Like I, I You know what would make me happy for dinner? To just be able to fucking like make a meal and be like, I'm just gonna eat this and not have Great. to be like, oh my God, is this one portion? Great. So like, let's talk, let's, this is a bigger topic. We may need to do a whole podcast on treats, right? But the reality yeah. is like, I find the concept of dessert problematic in these particular types of situations because it yeah. sets up the reward system again of food, right? I deserve a dessert because I was good. And because it's- yeah. And whatever. That's how it feels. So the way that, I mean, if we're going to go, there's so many things to talk about here. Like, I feel like it's a whole episode, but like, you can do it a couple ways. You can decide you're going to have a small treat reasonably regularly, or you're going to have a big blowout treat once in a while, or you can do a balance of those things. I have a couple squares of dark chocolate after dinner, most days of the week, not every day. Sometimes I have a glass of wine, but that's my you know, treat. Those are my calories yeah. that I use for fun. Those are my fun calories. My fun calories. So what, uh, what I had been doing, I was getting like Klondike bars and, um, having those. And I, it's really hard for me not to be like calories because. Cause you I know, there's like, no nutrient density there. That's why you yeah. go back to calories every time. It's like, but calories, I can get away with it. No, that's your yeah. loophole. That's the loophole you use to justify low nutrient density food. So that's why I'm saying like dark chocolate. Um, you can make chocolate avocado mousse. You can find a nutrient dense way to satisfy your, your cravings that doesn't yeah. taste like balls because that's the other problem too. It's like, oh, I made really paleo treats and they're made of coconuts and almonds and everything tastes like a coconut. And dates. And, and dates. I just love dates. It's that's just like eating a here. chocolate cake. Right? It doesn't. Nobody believes that. It's not their lies. So it needs to still be satisfying, but that doesn't mean it can't be like valuable nutrients. So like, okay, a Klondike bar. Let's look at a Klondike bar. How could you mimic a Klondike bar, but increase the nutrient density of it? This was an odd, this, I feel like, I feel like this was like a hardcore awesome meeting. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's some definite like buckling downs and stuff today. Yeah. In a positive way. In a positive way. No, I feel, I feel happy. Like I can move forward now with more information. Yay. Good. Yay. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. <laughs> it's what you take away from them. Wow. Right. The more you know...